Psychomedy is brought to you by ThreadUp, Manchester-based therapy that supports creativity. I'm Rafaela Nunes, the founder of ThreadUp and the counsellor supporting the creative community. Comedians and creatives in general can experience anxiety, depression, low moods, and this in turn can affect their creativity. One-to-one counselling can facilitate a safe space for creatives to explore any difficulties, to gain self-awareness, to develop strategies that work, and ultimately to create choices that are aligned with the natural creative flow. If you're in need of support, then please get in touch. Visit threadup.co.uk to book your counselling sessions at reduced rates when you quote Psychomedy. Psychology. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a subject I've been studying for 25 years, almost as long as I've been trying to make it big in comedy. And a quarter of a century of studying the fascinating way our minds work on and off stage has led me here today, discussing the psychology of stand-up comedy with today's very special guest, the very funny Joe Coffey. Joe, how are you today? I'm very good, thank you, Nathan. I'm very, very conscious that I'm not looking in your direction. <laughs> Like, I might turn to stone if I do, but I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Yes, as normal on Psychomedy, we maybe won't be looking at each other for the duration of the chat. <laughs> it's really um, hard. <laughs> it is hard not, not to look at Not that you're a me. person, yeah, exactly, that needs to be looked at all the time, but just oh, naturally, it's quite hard. <laughs> I'm a comedian. Yes, Joe is uh, laying back here on my sofa. So, um, how are you feeling today, Joe? How's life right now? Are you... Uh, where are you in terms of happiness? Happiness? Yeah. Um, I'm actually in a really, really good mood at the moment because I haven't had to go back to work. <laughs> so oh, when nice. that happens, obviously my mood will slightly change. But right. at the moment, I've had a lovely January. I've been writing every day. I've been doing podcasts. <laughs> All these things <laughs> that podcasts. don't pay my rent. <laughs> but like, yeah, having a lovely, lovely time doing some great gigs. Nice. Um, and some new material. When do you get to do new material as well? So it's all, all good fun. So work in terms of your TV producer work? Yes. Do you mean? Okay. Yes. All right. So I'm a, also, as well as been a, a hilarious stand-up comedian, mm. I'm a digital producer as well on nice. live television. Nice, nice. But I've heard you say you in, you enjoy that work as well. But do you are you are you your happiest when you've got more time to write and do comedy than stand up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've now because I've been in television a long, long time yeah. uh, since my twenties, really twenty one. That I've managed to get to a level that I can go part time now. That I can do like a couple of days on on this, and then a couple of like a uh, devote more time to stand up. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And the new material particularly you mentioned, is that something that drives you forward? I know it does uh, for me, you know, the thought of getting some new stuff out there. It does. You never know, though, do you? Like in the car, I'm like, oh, God, this is the funniest thing in the world. This is, like, amazing. <laughs> and then people's faces, it's, it's like, really? Do you not share my vision for this at all? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, oh, we've got, I've got to write for Edinburgh, haven't I? I've got to come up with a show. 
to, well, not that I haven't already come up with a show if my agent's listening. <laughs> it's already 90% written. But uh, yeah, I've got to come up with a new angle for yeah. the stuff I've been talking about this time. So. so does that fill you with excitement or fear or a bit of bit of both coming up with the new stuff? Uh, excitement, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Particularly as well, if you think you're going in one direction and at this stage of Edinburgh, it's lovely, isn't it? Because you, you haven't fully committed to a, like, this is exactly what it's going to be. Mm. So you can change your mind. At a certain, so you can kind of go, oh, I thought it was heading in this direction, but from the reception I've had to the material or, you know, material I've done on stage, it's gone in a completely different direction <laughs> mm. nice well we're only uh, just getting to know each other recently i think um but we do share a history of sorts going back to aged 11 are you um, my brother <laughs> <laughs> joe we look a bit similar <laughs> how do you know you're not looking at me in the eye oh sorry <laughs> um, it's like the comedy cheryl cole <laughs> don't look him in the eye <laughs> I should get shitty about it, shouldn't I? <laughs> so yes, I am your brother. Um, oh, no, but don't I'm we, your brother. Don't we have a nice family. <laughs> I'm your Birmingham brother. Yes. We both um, grew up in Birmingham, and yes. um, so, but specifically, we both auditioned for the Central Television Workshop. Um, aged eleven, I was. I presume you were similar age. Um, yes, eleven. So this is a company, if you don't know it, that snatches young children from the streets, <laughs> <laughs> snatches away their proper education. <laughs> And launches them with very little training onto television. Thousands auditioned. I'm not bitter. I got down to the final 35, which was whittled down to 30. And I was in those five people, cruelly cast aside <laughs> you, to a you normal know education. That, you, you've never brought it up. <laughs> but you've you never got in. even mentioned it in the short space that I've, of time that I've known you. You haven't mentioned it at all. <laughs> but you got in. I did get in. Um, I did get in. How was this experience? Did you uh, did you have lots of TV work and auditions? I as did a, have as a, a child? fair bit of. It was good because kind of you were a child actor. Well, I was. I wasn't you a were. child actor. <laughs> you didn't get in. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but you're not bothered because you haven't brought it up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, you know, I was a child actor at mm. the time. But uh, we were there was us in Birmingham and a group in Nottingham. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we it was great. It was. How it was, was it? Pretty brilliant. hardcore. Good for you. <laughs> it was great. It made me very popular at school, Nathan. <laughs> Did it? Did it really? It didn't make me more popular, but it kind of gave you a thing. Like you would be the, be like, oh, Joe's on television. <laughs> it's like yeah. I did this terrible documentary once at the age of twelve, twelve or thirteen, where I went looking for God, and I came out. My the beginning was me entering out of a massive Bible. <laughs> Like walking through this Bible, and then they made me go and stay in a monastery and take a vow of silence. I can't remember if what Simon the f- was there. You were and I took years a vow old. of silence. You were twelve. For... No, I was a bit older actually. I was probably okay. about thirteen. Don't worry, that makes all yeah. the difference. <laughs> that one year really <laughs> matured me to be able to take a vow of silence. But uh, yeah, we went to a Buddhist temple. I don't, I don't know if I ever found God. What was this called? <laughs> Searching for God or something like that. Searching for God. <laughs> if you can find it, if you the the bit of stepping up, I think there's me. Um, Graham and Mark Bagnall Mark Bagnall's been on um, I think he's done Game of Thrones and stuff like that Mm. and I think he follows me out the Bible as well so he was he was was looking for God as well we didn't find him in Birmingham (laughs) (laughs) yet (laughs) but yeah it kind of it made you the kind of kid that would not be at school and then would be on telly and then swan up with a bit of a cocky attitude and think she was absolutely bloody amazing right so yeah i guess it helped 
I, th I think with me, I think everyone was just a bit grateful that I had something to do. <laughs> because I wasn't really that bothered. I was school and academia at that time hmm. wasn't particularly a, a big interest of mine, but drama massively was. Okay. And I think because I was so into it, people could see, well, look, you, maybe she's not into school, but at least she's she's got something that she's really into and, like, you know, would do 12 hours a day, five, you know, five to seven days a week. Yeah. So I think they could, they recognised that. But I think, I don't, it was a weird one with us at school because we didn't do drama, so it wasn't really a thing. Mm. So I don't think the teachers really understood it or, or, I think they were supportive, definitely, but I don't think there was, there was no real drama attached to school, so people didn't really care. So stand-up, you, yes. you turned to stand-up in, what year was that? Oh God, you know what, I don't know now. Start of the century? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Me and Anna Quilly, so obviously Anna Quilly's gone on to be very famous. <laughs> mm. But uh, we did a comedy course together. Yeah. It was the Logan Murray's one. Yeah. And we did that a good few years ago. Mm. And then I started it off, it was weird starting it off, then I gave up in the middle and went to earn some money in a career that was a little bit more stable, but mm. not really. <laughs> so in terms of getting into stand-up, was that just a natural progression from the acting and, uh, or was there something specifically in terms of something you felt you were missing or wanted from stand-up? Uh, to be honest, I, I never really meant to. It was me and Anna. We mm. used to write a lot of comedy sketches together and do, we went to university together and we used to live together. So we did like a lot of uh, sort of, sketches really mm. so we just decided to get we almost dared each other because at the time stand-up was like a massive big deal mm. it's like oh should we do our first gig and I think I'd done one at university and it was like as part of the course with Hugh Thomas and it was oh, absolutely yeah. dreadful from um from the King's Head yeah yeah oh, nice, so he yeah. was like our university lecturer oh, yeah, and I think lovely. I lasted at the King's Head about 45 seconds and it was so horrific <laughs> that I needed to do it again just to, like a proper gig like a I was that your I first gig did... then at the king's head yeah but i didn't really do any i just kind of came on and said my name and left i did really... <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you can call it a gig that sounds <laughs> really. brilliant yeah i don't i don't you know should do that more often <laughs> i get more really of a slowly response. yeah exactly over 20 minutes my name can i eke that out to an hour <laughs> <laughs> it would be brilliant um... it'd be It'd be, it'd be talked about, certainly. Well, a little bit more than anything else. That <laughs> but, um, yeah, so then I did, me and Anna did a gig. Oh, God, it was where they used to do it, at the back of Soho, that used to be the Amuse Moose, oh, before yeah. they moved it, like this underground a comedy club. It was great, actually. And we did a gig there. Thought, you know, it's the initial comedy showcase, so everyone thinks that you're brilliant stand-ups and you think you're a brilliant stand-up mm. and then you go and do your second gig and you're like, oh my God, this is so hard. <laughs> Why oh, does yeah. everybody hate me? Why is there no audience and it's just comedians? Why is this, that and the other? And I went on with that vein for about four years. I think. <laughs> yeah. So was it terrifying? Why was it 45 seconds then? Was it kind of just... I think that, this, just... that was the very first one that... Yeah, no, well, I came out on like oh God, this is so ridiculous to say and I don't even know, this is why I worry about my, particularly my Edinburgh shows, <laughs> that mm. I came out in some sort of shopping trolley. <laughs> but you I couldn't came out really get stage. out of the shopping trolley. Yeah, it was really, it was it was a plan that really <laughs> did not go according to plan. And your first and I had gig. I <laughs> absolutely. Were you put, what, were you, were, I thought, you, were you pushed on? Yeah, kind of, but 
then the person left and I couldn't it was all just <laughs> awful and then I had to get off and out and this wasn't like a this wasn't like oh university halls of this was a, a bloody king's head as well with Pete watching presumably <laughs> he so, never watches no no he doesn't he's always in the back room <laughs> so but he might have watched that actually. yeah like, exactly I'm never having her here again <laughs> But yeah, it was, I don't know what that was all about, actually, but it didn't go very well. I think people were more confused than... I'd, yeah. I think it was a different feeling to dying on your arse. It was more, I've just really confused the hell out of myself as well as... And there was a mild bit of panic because of the shopping trolley and getting out of the shopping trolley and me not being out, you know, it, it wasn't good. You and I didn't make... really have any material. <laughs> it just... You just thought the trolley thing would, yeah. would be enough. But, but what really weirds me out about that, because since when I've gone to the King's Head... Those are steep stairs, aren't they? So yeah, how do you get the trolley I don't down? Know. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. So I'm. I don't know. I genuinely don't. I must have got it in the back way, but someone must have helped me down the. I don't know. And at no point did anyone go. This is a really bad idea. <laughs> Was there a joke attached to the trolley? <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I like yeah, those. I think so. I think it was like a kind. It was a. I don't. It was just really ill thought out. <laughs> Right, so after that, after you ditched the trolley, yeah. you, as you said, you did your first Edinburgh show, which was called My Dad's Caravan is Rubbish, oh, correct? God. I'm going to have to just talk about all the times I've been crap doing <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, that was not great either. Okay. Um, do you know what? That was a really good show. I, don't, I just don't think I had the confidence to carry it off. Mm. I think now I would have carried it off a little bit. And it was really weird because I hadn't, because my little sister, there's 10 years between us. So she'd, she'd sort of, I'd moved out, I'd gone to university by, by that point. So mm. I, did, I felt like I didn't know her. So when I took my first show to Edinburgh, the way I decided to fix this was to get her to play guitar in the background for an hour's <laughs> worth of stand-up and repeatedly die on our arse for two weeks in the middle of Edinburgh. And I thought, do you know what? It worked. <laughs> We're best mates now. But yeah, it was a clear, it was uh, possibly that was the only good thing to come out <laughs> oh well that must have been interesting so you didn't really you say you didn't spend much time with your sister then as different ages was it or? yeah just different yeah. ages so okay. i would have been what would say i mean i'm not going to go into my age but no, she not. i would have been at university for um, college the majority of the time that she was kind of growing up really because okay. i'm the second oldest <laughs> so i kind of moved out so i thought oh I'd, you know me and lara there's 10 years between us so how okay. do we fix this yeah i know i'll bring her into my world and <laughs> i was such a true poor girl she did it as well she came because the whole thing was set to music and it, mm. it was all about my dad's caravan and what the stuff was in my dad's <laughs> caravan <laughs> was Honestly, there a shopping trolley in there no no sadly no but there might be in the next one there was sadly and then he didn't know that i so i Basically, my dad's got this caravan across the road. Is it rubbish? It's just full of crap. Oh, it's just full of absolute crap. It's right. never left the streets either. It's just full of, like, crap. And okay. it's got worse than... Outside the house? Well, no, it's across the house. So he could, he, okay. it's, like, across the road. Right. So almost it looks like my neighbours, which is really cheeky. <laughs> so he's fenced it all off. Like, and thieves are broken in. And they didn't take it because they... <laughs> they were like, this is far too much hassle. So right. we did a coming out day of like what was in the caravan mm. and then set it all to music and took it to Edinburgh. But he um, found out that I was doing it and all the pictures were on the internet of his caravan. 
and he went mental. <laughs> right. But yeah, he calmed down after a little while. Mm. When uh, I said if I ever do it again, he can be in it. So, <laughs> so you say this was a, a bad dying on stage every night? Was it that bad? Yeah, pretty oh, much. God. Yeah, it weren't, it weren't great. So I have since, I thought that setting stand-up to music would be quite a good mm. and interesting thing. It's not. Yeah, it's really I've tried not. it. It's and tricky. I've seen, yeah, I've seen a couple of people do it and it just, mm. it doesn't work, does it? It's just really distracting and yeah, it, it just was... doesn't, the yeah. two don't seem to, unless it's a musical where you're doing like a comedy musical, I don't mm. think setting big pieces of dialogue to music works yeah. very well. It's what I found anyway. Yeah. So then you gave up um, in yeah. terms of, so did that, did that really scar you then? That, well, was no, it two weeks? Yeah, it was two weeks because at the time I'd just got my first, I'd left the BBC mm. as I was staff there mm. and that was already hard but I wasn't working on like, you know, I'd, I'd done the kind of Fame Academy and Top of the Pops and that those type of programmes mm. and so I hadn't done any of the big kind of reality TV things at that point. So mm. I'd left the BBC and I got my first job on Big Brother. Right. And ridiculously, they'd said to me, right, you can go in the middle. Like, I've got a whole team to manage and, you know, it's quite a big deal. And yeah. I'm like, you can go in the middle of this massive live TV show that you're doing <laughs> and take two weeks and go to Edinburgh if you want to. And I was like, oh, brilliant, this is great. But obviously the logistics of doing, your head's not there, is it, when you're trying to do a massive mm. TV show and then suddenly you change to stand-up and then you come back to, you yeah. know, it's a really hard... hard but in terms of getting over that, in terms of getting mm. over those two weeks, did that take you a while to think, well, I've got to go and do something else now? Or did how did that leave you feeling after those two weeks of um, well, dying I went, in front of your sister <laughs> I was like, as well? That must have been hard. Well, she loved it. I've never heard someone, <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. She was like, oh, we had the best time. It's like, did we? <laughs> I don't remember having a good time. <laughs> um, coming back, yeah, I kind of thought, oh, God, you know, that was a lot of, that was a lot really of dying in one short space. Because usually, you know, if you have a block of Edinburgh gigs, mm. I still do it now and there's a couple of bad shows, isn't there? Yeah. But this seemed to be like 14 bad shows. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I, I swear to this day it was a good, it was actually a really good show. Mm. But I just don't think I executed it as well as I could have done. Is there a panic? Do you do you know? Do you remember any panic kind of between shows, trying to fix things, and because Edinburgh's such a cauldron of it's, it's, panic. You know what? Sometimes. I didn't really get it all then. Right. I, I think I just didn't really understand the whole ethos. I think now, obviously, I'd go, okay, this bit of the show doesn't work. And right. I should change it. I didn't understand. So you just repeated it. I just carried on and carried on and carried on and hoped it would fix itself, but it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, nah, it really, it was certainly a kind of, right, this is not how you do an Edinburgh show. Mm. And the the shows that I've taken since of like, I think that's definitely taught me how not to do an Edinburgh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Were you, were, you, were you confident at the time? How's your, how's no. how your, com not, not at all? No, well, a little bit, but I knew kind of, I was doing okay in comedy, but still... You know, it was very... I hadn't really done that many... I hadn't done a lot of gigs at all, so... I maybe going up there straight away with an hour... And, you know, now, with the experience under my belt, I'd have tried to do, like, a two-hander or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, have a little bit think or go to Edinburgh a little bit more. Yeah. So I'd only done, I think, comedy starlets up until that point, so... Yeah. I'd, I'd only been on stage, really, for 15 minutes as part of a show. Right, <laughs> And yeah. then I decided suddenly to do this hour, which... 
you know, I'm, got, I'm glad I did because it's led on to, to better, you know, other things. But mm. yeah, it was, um, I would have done it very differently mm. now, I think. And did you miss it while you're away? Is there some parts of your psychology? I know when I, uh, over Christmas and New Year, you have kind of a few days off and I really miss it. Do you, did you miss it on those years when you were away or because you were working in TV, did that replace it to yeah, a certain extent? Yeah, it, it really did. Well, I, I completely missed it because I went back to it in the end. Yeah. But yeah, the the world that I kind of moved into was like, I ended up doing like shows like X Factor and we had One Direction on and, you know, those shows were so big at the time. Yeah. They really were. And it was a, it was a totally different world living in that world, really, that coming out and I do occasional gigs, but you'd never get back to a lot. I mean, you know yourself, now, but you have to do, what, a couple of times a week to be, if you don't do a gig a week, you feel crap the next week. It's yeah. Like you don't feel as good as, you know, that you've got your stage time up. Yeah. So it, it wasn't, you know, I kind of effectively had about five years off, really. So, yeah. Um, hanging out on reality TV shows. <laughs> I don't even know why I did that either. Well, I do. I paid my rent. No, that sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talking about um, X Factor and Big Brother, I guess, I, um, I mean, there are parallels with stand up and people making it famous through stand up, although that takes usually a lot longer than it does on X Factor and, and Big Brother. You, you've seen what fame um, can do to, quote, ordinary people, mm. um, people that don't have fame in their family. Um, you've watched fame being thrust upon these people. Mm. Um, how is it looking at from the other side in terms of, do you, was there any kind of care in terms of people's well-being in these situations? Yeah, there's a big duty of care on all these shows. Yeah. I mean, obviously, since the... Co- I mean, uh, to, to be honest, from my side... I've always seen a massive duty of care on the shows. That's kind of, particularly with the age that you're dealing with as well. Mm. I mean, One Direction were like 16, <clears throat> like 16, 17. Yep. I think the oldest was Liam maybe at the time, who was still a teenager. Yeah. So you're not going to just leave five boys to, to go. And they're very under, But I mean, to be honest, their schedule's so tight each day that they're very under watch from everyone all the time. So you say a duty of care was was kind of counselling offered for these guys? um... I don't know. I mean, it wasn't really my area to do that. So I don't really want to say what the exact reach was. But I know that there was, there's definitely, I mean, there were various counsellors. So has (laughs) has counselling or therapy played any part in your life? Have you ever? No. um, I've had like uh, kind of therapy over more uh, medical therapy so this like I always call it this is gonna hurt therapy and they go okay you're about to undergo this but this is really gonna hurt so we're gonna try and play down how much it is gonna hurt but it is actually gonna hurt but yeah as for actual proper therapy no I've not had I've always thought it would be great to go in and just talk it's quite nice to talk about myself now for an hour (laughs) quite nice to do that but yeah I haven't I haven't done it as yet yeah Okay. So, yeah, so you've talked about your, you mentioned your disability and you, you talk in your set about being the fourth shortest comedian in the country. Is that still, is that still the case? <laughs> I think I might be the third. I think one <laughs> gave up. <laughs> oh, good. No, I don't know. We're getting there. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think I might be the third now. The okay. t- I, well, I haven't seen the other guy for a while. <laughs> he's all, I can't remember his name, but he's always in Edinburgh and he does like, I don't. I always look at his venues and my venues, and I'm like, is that because I'm the fourth that I don't get <laughs> the assembly and you do? <laughs> but then I don't see him on the circuit. He, he must be. I can't remember his name. 
But he must be around because he does spank and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the little guy yeah. with a beard. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so he's the... So there's... Who's <laughs> the uh, Tanya Lee, obviously. I love that we're naming one. them now. Number one shortest, Tanya <laughs> Lee. One. I think she's number one shortest, but I yes. wouldn't. I, you know, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to uh, give her a title <laughs> that that she doesn't want. Uh, number two, that guy, and then there was a, yeah, the third one. I can't remember who is it. American uh, comedian that used to be around a lot, but again, I haven't seen them right for a while. So I might be the third now. <laughs> Right. I hope so. <laughs> so, uh, yes, you talk about this in your set. So we're going to play in a little stand-up clip now um, with some material about how things were maybe better in the 80s, which they were, generally. Things were better in the 80s as a short person. I'll tell you when I liked us. Back in the 1980s when we were allowed to be a little bit shit. <laughs> There was none of this pressure of Game of Thrones then, was there? None of this para-bloody Olympics then, was there? All we'd do, Chris, is we'd go on Jeremy Beadle, appear in a lift by surprise, wearing a stupid bloody hat, and people thought we were amazing. Nowadays, I have to fight a bloody dragon before I've even got out of the house. Nice. Things were better in the 80s. They were, weren't they? Jeremy Beadle, etc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more it innocent times. Si- it was a simple life then. <laughs> yeah. I said more innocent times, but more guilty times. We didn't know they were guilty. <laughs> <laughs> simple bad times, but actually quite all right. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, maybe half in jest about this other shorter comedian getting an assembly rooms or whatever. Mm. Is there a, you know, talking about the fourth best, I talk about this in stand-up as well, I mean, in terms of like being the fourth in anything isn't, isn't really that great because if you're like the fourth best runner in the world, then you're constantly looking at a podium of better runners crying, you know. Um, <laughs> so is there... <laughs> is there is a, every other short person better at me than stand-up? <laughs> no, no, in terms of like... Is there a seriousness in terms of this, in terms of, like, you mentioned Tanalee Davis was on Live at the Apollo recently. Do you feel more than perhaps I would when I see, you know, someone like me on uh, Live at the Apollo? Do you feel that when Tanalee's on Live at the Apollo that that's maybe a, more of a door closed in your face more than perhaps well, I, I would, you know? I hope not. I mean, I think is brilliant at what yeah. she does. I, I think she's fantastic and... But I think that me and Tanya do very different things. So yeah. I would hope that that wouldn't be. Um, but do you feel that? Do you, do you, ever, do you ever feel that? No, do you ever think I don't. Because no? I, I do think that we're quite... I mean, to be honest, that, I mean, if, the, if, if they put a short person on the Apollo every week, it'd be a bit weird. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't, not necessarily. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't feel just because they've had one short comedian on mm. that, that that is going to be the end of it, really. Yeah. Well, that's a positive way of looking at it. I mean, because we, you know, we've had other people looking, you know, even like Stephen Bailey talking about other gay people on panel shows. That why do they not put me on with? You know, Stephen was talking about me with, you know. Um, he is on it though, isn't he? Well, he, no, no. In terms of like two gay guys on the same, oh, or gay see. people on the I same see. panel well, and I, things like that. So it's like I suppose you, it would be disability. Or would it? Would it be like dis, a disability in general? Like two two people with? Would you ever have two disabled comics on? Like, that's what the I, Apollo. Is that but what that's what I'm, yeah, that's what so I'm saying. So would you have me and then Christmas Porcelain or me yeah, and Tanya not? Lee? 
I totally think why not. And I think it's getting a little bit better towards that as well. Mm. I think I, I'm now with Andrew Roach and I think he's doing as much as an agent can do. He's really sort of championing diversity in broadcasting and diversity on television. Yeah. And why does it matter if you can't just tick box and have one disabled person... I mean, to be honest, there is no disabled people on panel shows, are there really? So, no. I mean, hardly now they're starting to be with Rosie and yeah. uh, Chris. I think I saw Chris recently and he said that he'd done a couple. Yeah. But it's it's still very, very difficult. I mean, disabled comics on the Apollo is Chris and I don't know if Tanya classes herself as disabled, but Tanya, is that it? Well, I don't know if there's yeah. any more. Um, yeah, I don't know if um, like Lost Voice Guy and... Oh, yeah, it's yeah, of course, and, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously... <laughs> no, I mean, still, obviously, a huge, huge minority, but I'm, I'm not sure in terms of how many are at the lower levels, yeah. you know, coming through with the open mic scene. I'm not sure in terms of... But, of course, the lack of people on TV, obviously, uh, doesn't encourage no, exactly. those lower levels. Yeah. And I think now, as well, like, disability is kind of... I've done a couple of comedy nights that have been all... Like, a, one in particular is... It's like an open mic night and it also is a festival in Wandsworth Mm. that's all disabled acts Mm. or um, acts with a a mental health issue. Mm. So there's a lot of people out there under that bracket, but, yeah, you don't really see many of them on television, I don't think. Yeah. And in terms of of your sets, I've heard you in other interviews saying you still need to make people people feel comfortable, an audience feel comfortable mm. when you come on stage and, uh, about your height. Is that something you you still still feel? I, one thing was particularly interesting when you said you tried, you've tried sets not mentioning it and you've died <laughs> because they haven't been comfortable. Is that still the case? Is that... Well, it's really hard as well. It's You never know, to be honest, Nathan, because you can go on and I don't know if, like, I'm, I'm quite... Um, naive a little bit with people's reaction to my disability I think I think I can be a little bit naive in that way of I'll always just assume that it's something else <laughs> I'll just be like oh no they haven't got a problem with me it's it's something else completely and it's like oh, no no maybe it is <laughs> maybe it is that mm. so I've done gigs before where I have come on and mentioned it and I've worked really hard and there is no reason at all that that shouldn't have worked mm. and they've just they have hated me from the minute go but who knows what that is that can be you must have that as a comedian well of course you people... wore an orange seat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's interesting in terms of like because of course comedians do badly not all the time <laughs> if they get anywhere but a lot, that, so... you do badly all the time <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean that's interesting in terms of you know, you're looking at it in terms of the height issue must be, you know, rather than they just don't don't like you anyway. Yeah, well, this is it. You never know, do you? Yeah. So you can kind of... It would be very easy for me to come off stage and go, oh, they just all felt really uncomfortable with my height. <laughs> and the fact, you know, that would be the... Yeah. I could do that and make myself feel better constantly about it. But sometimes I come off and it's like, no, well, they just didn't like you. They just generally or whether the fact that you were a woman and they didn't want a woman comedian or the fact that you're on first or the fact that you're from Birmingham, you know it could be a million things does that go through your head then in terms of why 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 yeah when it goes badly why and yeah absolutely you torture yourself all the way back from manchester to st albans (laughs) yeah and is there a conclusion in terms of those discussions in your own head (laughs) not really i think if there was then possibly i wouldn't do it again (laughs) but yeah the kind no, not really. I mean, it's different as well because in Edinburgh, 
because you've got an hour, mm. I'll come up. And my, my shows are a lot different to my 20 minutes, I think. Like, so I will come on. I'll mention about my height within the first, what, get all the small jokes out of the way in five to six minutes. Mm. And then I'll start with really sometimes quite bizarre humour that I thought was a lot... I mean, we're talking shopping trolleys for lots. Because <laughs> I, there's been bits in Edinburgh that I've actually worried for. I thought, this is a lot to give them, really. In, but people didn't seem to care. So that mm. theory kind of goes out the window then. You're like, well, maybe it's... I don't know. I think it would be... I think it is quite easy for me to go, oh, it's because of my size, when sometimes it mm. might not be that at all. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to project your own kind of thoughts and values on other people, and you, you know, my my instinct is to think, oh, it just wouldn't be a problem, and just no one would feel uncomfortable. But of course, that's because they would. Not, yeah, it's not the case, is it? No, it's... absolutely not. And and we're talking like big groups of people as well. Yeah, like so, the, you know, the, I tell you, there's what the areas. I don't know if you get this with as well. Some areas yeah. that you go to. And you never do well in that area. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say in late, later, and it's changed now since, but I had a bit of a curse <laughs> of Leighton when I came on and I went, I, I didn't realise that there's two different, because I, I don't live in London anymore and I, I generally I didn't realise. Mm. And I came on and I went, oh, hello, um, Leighton. <laughs> and the guy shouted out the back, he was like, it's, it's Leighton Stone. <laughs> and I went, oh, you can't just stick a stone on it and expect it not to be shit. <laughs> 20 minutes of hating me absolutely hating me i had to do it because i wouldn't have got paid otherwise but oh god insult leighton stone and you're over mate oh, in the comedy. <laughs> um, how is uh heckling generally outside of leighton or leighton stone is that uh i, I'd I imagine... get quite a, quite a lot yeah oh, you get a lot yeah loads i was yeah. expecting you to say not no i get loads and right. i think it's because i am on people's eye level so I don't oh. I'm not above people am I so when they're sat down and I'm on stage <laughs> right. I'm like literally might as well just be sat up staring them in the face yeah. so they feel that I'm having a conversation with them instead of doing stand-up <laughs> so they'll get involved oh my god especially in Edinburgh right. they'll really get involved in Edinburgh it used to us running over by about 10 minutes of just arguing with the audience oh god <laughs> It's a of, lot of fun. What kind of stuff? <laughs> nasty stuff? Or? No, it's sometimes nasty. Sometimes people are kind of, they try and, like, they they know that you're comfortable with talking about your height and you so they try and make a height joke and it goes down really badly. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I, I do the height jokes, not you, really. <laughs> but, yeah, not, not, I mean, there's always... I had this terrible gig in Watford once and it was real bear pit. And it was mm. the lamest heckle put down I've ever used in my life, but it set the place on fire. I came in and the guys were being, I'm not going to tell you what they said, but they were being so vile before I'd even got on stage about me. And mm. there were these group of guys in the corner and they were just shouting out and shouting out. And I took the microphone and then they just started, you know, really going for it. And I said, oh, no, you, you're, um, I said, this is fine. I said, it's an open forum. You can... You can say what you want. You're completely allowed to. It's a comedy. It wasn't a comedy club. But it, <laughs> it was a facade of a comedy club. You you have the right to to say whatever you want to me. And this was the crappiest heckle put down. I went, oh, and um, congratulations for uh, bringing the turtleneck back. By the way, <laughs> I was like, you and uh, what's her name? 
Gail Tilsley from Coronation Street, <laughs> the lamest put down ever. And the place went, whoa, like it was like someone had lit a touch like I was like, oh my God, what have I just done? <laughs> and I stood there like, yeah, man, I knew that I just insulted you with Gail Tilsley, <laughs> which isn't even a name. I think it's Gail Platt. <laughs> not in the 80s. It works. Not in not the, in the 80s. 80s. Yeah. It yeah. was Tilsley in the 80s. He backed right off. <laughs> Nice. So, um, but I love a bit of a heckle, I do. It keeps it interesting, doesn't it? Mm. Do you s- like it? I don't... Oh, I can't remember the last heckle I got, really, that I didn't kind of encourage, you know? In yeah, terms exactly. Of, well, this this is the thing, you know, isn't it? It you, happens so rarely. So for you to say it happens quite a lot... Well, well I think maybe I encourage it, though. Maybe that's the yeah. same. Is speaking to the audience and having them shout out or get or try and get involved, particularly when you're emceeing, yeah. which is something that I've started to do recently. I've not done it before that much. Mm. As you, as you say, kind of an audience being above your eye level. Yeah. I've not really thought of that as terms oh, of they totally think they have the power level, yeah. then. And um, It's like I'm sat at their table. It's yeah. a bit weird. But they can, I often get people having a, just chipping in their two pence worth. Yeah. <laughs> but you sound like such a positive person about this. Does I mean, does, do those things ever get you down in terms of the uh, heckling? Well, and... I don't think anyone, not to my knowledge, I mean, those guys were, were vile. But I don't. No, no one really says anything horrible. Just, but even even after that night, kind of thing, in terms of like, you sound so positive about. Do you shake these things off or? Well, I with that kind yeah. of. I got such a positive reaction from the audience. I was like, I'm a comedy superstar with my Gail Tilsley. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. But I'm still massively watching my back when I walk to my car because yeah. I thought they were they were really rough audience. I think I spoke to another comedian that was on that night, and he still remembers that gig now, and it's like. That was one of the, I'd say, it wasn't the worst gig, but it was the second to worst gig that I've ever done. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it happened. Yeah, I don't... Do you see yourself as a more positive kind of person, comedian than other? Because, you know, I'd imagine talking to other comedians, if they say they're getting being heckled a lot, that would bring them down a bit. Or comedy generally, I think, brings a lot of comedians down. The travelling, the, the, the lack of money the, sometimes. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think you're more... Maybe more positive in terms of, for any reason, maybe maybe associated with with your disability in terms of things around comedy and getting heckled aren't potentially as yeah, difficult maybe. as... Yeah, well, I've got a bit of a tougher... Well, I don't yeah. know. I think as a comedian, you've got to have a bit of a... You've got to shrug it off slightly, haven't you? As it will really do your head and you, I think mm. you've got to be able to walk away from it sometimes. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes you're like... Well, it's more like I, were, I won't really care if someone's heckled me. I find it quite funny, but... I'll, I'll care if I've had a terrible gig and it was my fault. Like, and yeah. you think, oh God, I, you know, I was a bit crap then. Yeah. <laughs> that will, that will, you know, drain with you. And then you think, all right, I've got to, it's particularly, I don't, I had it just before Christmas and luckily it turned around. Mm. You had those couple of gigs where you just can't shake it. And you're like, why is this, was this was working fine a month ago? And why yeah. is it not working now? And you'll turn a corner, but it, in order to turn that corner, you have to keep doing about three or four gigs to be able to do it. Yeah. And it's those toughos in the middle that you're like, oh, God, I'd really like to not be stood on stage feeling like that this is going really badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it will be fine. You know, it will turn the corner and be fine. I think that's the difference between me in Edinburgh doing that show and now that I would know that that happens. So I know how it goes now. Yeah. And you talk to enough other comedians to know how it goes as well. Yeah, I mean, but some comedians spend their whole careers not being able to shake off bad gigs or bad experiences. So it sounds like you're in a better place mentally than a lot of comedians there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, well, I think it's, it is a bit of a tough thing to do with your 
time, isn't it, really? It's a bit of a weird thing to do with your time as well. Yeah. But I think, like, I think the good thing that we've got as comedians that I always really like as well, and I don't spend a lot of time with comedians, actually, but it is good when you... Because I've noticed comedians talk to each other like... You don't talk to anybody else like how you would talk to another comedian. Yeah. You would talk about completely different things that no one, unless you'd done stand-up, would understand. I think it's really... I think it helps everyone talking to each other, basically. Yeah, yeah. A lot of comedians spend their life with other comedians and talking to comedians mm. and or being being lonely. So maybe it sounds like that the lack of talking to comedians maybe is uh is a good thing sometimes oh, in terms of I love of... talking to other comedians though. Yeah. Because I often feel like I am just doing it by myself and then as soon as you meet up with other comedians you're like, Oh thank God. Yeah. There's everyone else is doing this as well. This is not just me doing like or oh, this is not I didn't just find that tough, that is a tough gig or mm. you know, it it we just laugh it just laughing at how ridiculous some of the I mean it is really ridiculous to, thing to do with your time. Yeah. So it is it's just being with other people that appreciate that is, but know it so well as well. And yeah. we're all really funny. <laughs> I haven't really sold myself on this podcast, but trust me, we're all dead funny people to be hanging around with. <laughs> For those listening in, she is in a shopping trolley, if that makes it funny. <laughs> Staring at Nathan Cassidy, which I've been told not to do. <laughs> right, so we're coming to the end of our time here but well, it does sound it does sound like you are a happy I know, happy I'm really happy sorry to, person well, I don't, stop apologizing I, I feel really bad <laughs> I, I'm not I don't I'm I am quite positive person I will get it but I'm one of those kind of really annoying positive people that's a little bit <laughs> oh no it's okay we'll do this <laughs> it's like I'll just just take it miserably no no it's okay we can sort it out it's fine I don't yeah I've always um uh, it, it's a good trend in stand-up and in producing, actually, mm. to always look on the bright side. <laughs> Someone once called me stoic. You are. I thought that they were calling me fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it's... Uh, and it is very rare. It is very rare is in, in stand-up. Is for, it really? For someone to be this positive, of course. What do they usually say? Then? <laughs> <laughs> but you must talk to stand-ups and they're, you know... Do you ever meet anyone as positive as you? Do you? Do, yeah, name was, just, name well, someone. I don't, like, I don't know if we... <laughs> I want them on we, this we podcast. We just won't talk about, like, kind of... Usually, if I meet another stand-up, it would be like, oh, this just happened, or such and such, and then you'll get on a giggly kind of thing about what just happened. Yeah. Or you'll be, oh, oh God, when we did that gig, Nathan, yeah. and I had to go on after bloody Simon Broderick and Jeff Innocence. <laughs> Simon Brodkin, like, yeah, yeah. Brodkin, sorry, yeah, and, and Jeff Innocent. It's yeah. Like, Oh, brilliant. Now I have to go on after two comedy store headliners. Mm. And then you hear the, the name afterwards, like, coming up after the break, it's Joe Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but me and Jeff were really laughing about that. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to go on after you. Thanks very much, Jeff. It's like, mm. <laughs> but I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm more of the, you're either talking to the other stand-ups about what you're about to do yeah. and how ridiculous or how nervous you are or how, stupid it is or you come off and you're giggling about what's just happened or yeah yeah i don't but are you getting to know them deeply there do you, do you, do you what are the comedians yeah uh i don't know you bump into the same people all the time don't you yeah i don't do like i don't do other comedians really socialize with each other though 
Well, it's more than Is what... everyone having a party and I'm not invited? Is this how you're trying to make me miserable? <laughs> there was a comedian's Christmas me... party last night. Were <laughs> yeah, you there? Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, is this because you didn't get into Central Workshop? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, I just mean that, you know, it's easy to kind of, um, you know, particularly in those environments, to come across as happier. You know, you seem actually happy, which is rare for a comedian. Comedians in general, in green rooms or whatever, they'll seem okay, they'll seem fine. But, you know, if you've got talking to them, as we do in this podcast, there's a lot more going on, you know? Maybe Um, that's why I'm not on the Apollo then. (laughs) I've got my bloody... Yeah, I need to get my my misery on. I kept telling you, you're too tall. (laughs) You're too tall for the Apollo. There's another short comedian on the Apollo. Do you know what? Someone asked me if I was the... I put it in my stand-up now, but someone asked me if I was the swimmer the other day. It's like, are you actually kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) We're about 20 years older than that. (laughs) But it's a good thing that you're so positive. I don't know if I am, Nathan. There were things that I'm not positive about. Oh, go on then. Just as we're closing, go on, let's let's have one that you're not positive about. I think there should be more parking. (laughs) I think stages should be easier to get on. And sometimes when people who run clubs, and this is no one that we know, Mm. this is other people <laughs> um, i put a chair so i can get up onto the stage and they've gone oh no that's completely ruined the stage and it's like well i can't get on it if i don't <laughs> maybe that maybe that's what i'm not positive about <laughs> access to stages yeah right right and uh... <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't ruin your whole life i'm not interested no no you're not are you <laughs> so what ruins your whole life <laughs> Um, you not getting into the central television <laughs> yeah, workshop. Really did, didn't it? Bloody hell. <laughs> really was a uh, catalyst for what was to come. <laughs> okay. Um, so in closing then, what's, um, what's either next or the kind of big ambition with your stand-up career? Is there a big ambition? Is there... Big ambition with my stand-up specifically. So I'm going to Edinburgh this year. Yeah. I don't know what venue I'm in yet. I've applied for every venue. Yeah. I don't know if I can... I'll be completely honest. I don't know if I can afford to do the the big four if I do get selected. Yeah. It's so expensive, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. And, uh, I'd, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, God. I don't want to be so worried about the money element of it that it messes the whole show up. So... Yeah. And, and that could easily happen. Yeah. So hopefully I'm looking at uh, Free Fringe as well. PBH, Free Fringe. Yeah. Um, I've got a sitcom with a well-known, reputable production company in the making, nice. which um, I'm writing at the moment. It's got to be finished by the end of this week, the first episode. But right. uh, that's coming to fruition. Nice. Um, and, yeah, I'm in a film, <laughs> maybe. Oh, <that's> exciting. <laughs> We're, yeah, I'm head of the Dwarf Kingdom. So in your face are the short people. <laughs> Head of the Dwarf Kingdom. Yeah, I used to get really annoyed when people would call me a dwarf at school and now I'm like, running the goddamn kingdom. <laughs> Is there a part for me in this film? I mean, I, I wasn't in the workshop, what, but... What yeah, well, don't, don't I want that. to be in the Dwarf Kingdom. Do you? Well, it's I want to be the biggest, the biggest from, person I've in the Dwarf Kingdom. I only kingdom. filmed a couple of scenes with them, but from what I can make out, I am the only dwarf in the Dwarf Kingdom. <laughs> Oh, nice. So there is a part for me. I don't want to spill the plot. Is that, <laughs> but is that... I don't think... I think the other people are big and they got shrunk, I think. This... I'm not going to tell you what film this is now, as I'll never... Be, I definitely won't be in it. This sounds so, like a brilliant uh, film. Yeah, I think it will be. I think You're it will be. Door? It's out in uh, May. <laughs> so watch okay. out for that. It's out in May? Yeah. All right. Have you filmed it? 
Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. it's oh, so there's no part a, for me then, it's definitely. It's a Disney film. Okay, it's, cool. Yeah, well, this is just number one. Oh, oh, exciting. So, yeah, I'll get you in on the second one. You have got to have some skills, though. Mad skills. <laughs> <laughs> Can't just rock up with your psychology couch and expect it to be okay. Right, Joe. thank you. Thank, oh, thank you for you. being so positive. Oh, I feel really bad, Always. though. I don't feel don't that that's what you wanted. So I don't Not feel... at all. That is our show for today. Join us again next week for more Psychomedy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify UK, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked it, please give us a five-star review. It helps other people to find us, and any psychopaths leave three-star reviews. Psychomedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Cassidy, BSc in Psychology, and produced and edited by Mike Hanson, BA English for Pop People Productions, theme music by Mike as well. So that's Psychology. Please subscribe, rate, and listen back on all the great episodes so far. They're listed and there's video clips, etc. at psychomedy.co.uk. Follow us on social media at Pod People UK, at Psychomedy Pod, at Nathan Cassidy, and at Joe Coffee. Thank you again, Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lots of love, and see you again next week. Ball.